quote went a little bit like this, spanning the globe to bring you a variety of sports. The thrill of victory, some of you remember it, and the agony of defeat. There's a Roman term that uh, is called in Latin, it's spolia optima. And it simply means very best spoils. And in 1928, there was a New York senator that took that phrase and politicized it. In fact, it's another phrase that you're probably familiar with. And it's simply, to the victor goes the spoils. Now, we've all witnessed uh, the agony of defeat called death. If the Lord doesn't come back, we'll all experience the agony of death. My preference is to go in my sleep, not going down in an airplane. And we may have a preference on how we go, but we know that, that uh, going in death is going to be a reality if Jesus doesn't come back. The disciples, they witnessed the agony of defeat when they saw Jesus hang on the cross, but they also experienced the thrill of victory when they experienced Jesus being raised from the dead. Jesus, he met death, and he defeated death. And that takes us to Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read four verses, 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let me just stop there real quick. That word doubted isn't, isn't uh, maybe the way you're thinking of doubting. Uh, maybe a better description of that word doubted is that they were hesitant. And there are a lot of people in their Christianity that when it comes to understanding and living under the dynamic of the one who has all the spoils, we tend to be a little bit hesitant. The disciples who walked with him, the disciples who experienced him at the cross, the disciples who experienced him raised from the dead still had a bit of hesitancy. But that hesitancy does not keep them from the command that Jesus goes on to give. Because he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, and I'm, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, here's the place I want you to connect with this morning. And it's simply this, that Jesus' victory solidified his authority. His victory over death and the grave solidified his authority. If you actually read Genesis, you find that in Genesis, when God created fish, he spoke to the sea. When he, when he created trees, we won't read the word tree in there, but I'm going to use that as an example. When he, when he created trees, he spoke to the earth. When he created you and I, he spoke to himself. What happens when you remove a fish from its environment? It dies. 
what happens when you uproot or remove a tree from the earth? It dies. When humanity is removed or disconnected from God, they die. So what you have to understand is that the, the natural law here is also a spiritual law. Just as the fish dies when you remove it from its environment and a tree dies when you remove it from its environment, humanity died when it was removed from its environment. Now, while Adam and Eve were still in their environment, while Adam and Eve were still connected to their environment, God gave them authority. He said, have dominion. The earth, the fish of the sea, it's yours. we got a men's fishing trip coming in July, and I believe in the authority over the fish, so I will command the fish to go to my pole. You think I'm kidding. I'm telling you I'm going to do it. Done it before. But Adam and Eve experienced the agony of defeat. Because they listened to the enemy and they partook of the fruit that they were commanded to leave alone. And so they were removed from their environment. It's also important to understand that when they were moved to their environment, the authority that was given to them was given to Satan and all of his demons, cronies, however you want to put it. In fact, we still see the effects of that today. We can look at our world and we can see all of the evil. We can see all of the angst. We can see all the problems and recognize that the enemy, he's still got control of this planet. But thank the Lord that Jesus came. Because Jesus came and lived his entire life while on this earth under the authority of and in the environment of his heavenly Father. And what you find as you read in Matthew and you read in Mark and Luke and John is you see Jesus moving in the authority to forgive sin and the authority to make the Father known in all the varying ways that that took place. But even amongst that, he sought the direction of his father so that he could fulfill that which the father wanted him to do. Why? Because he was not moving on his own authority, but because he was in the right environment, he was operating under the uh, the authority of his father. Even at the garden, he prayed, Father, if there is a way for this cup to go to uh, be done another way other than me, make it so, but not my will. Boy, we're really glad that, uh, that Jesus wasn't American. Because we like our will. We like our rights. In fact, we like having authority over our own life, which got us into this problem in the first place. And thanks be to Jesus that he took the punishment that we deserved. He lived the life we should have lived. And then he died the death we should have died. And in doing so, he looked death square in the face and didn't just witness it, but experienced it and then defeated it. And here's the thing. Now that that's accomplished, 
it can't be changed. Because he met and he defeated death, he can say to the disciples, and he can say to you and I, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. And so when we, and I pray everybody in this room, everybody watching online has done this, take authority and give it back to him, we become like a fish put back in water, like a tree replanted. We become a human it put back in the environment that we were created to be. Tomorrow, my family, we fly to Washington to go bury my sister. And while we go to bury my sister, I know that she accepted the authority of Jesus. And while we have witnessed the agony of defeat, I know that one day, because Jesus met and defeated death, that my sister will rise again. It doesn't mean that we don't have feelings, because when you experience the agony of defeat, you have the emotions that go along with it. But in part, we've already experienced the thrill of victory. And we will yet once again experience the thrill of victory on the great resurrection day when Jesus, with all authority, will say, rise again. You have before you communion cups. And, and here in a moment, the worship teams, they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to play a song. We're going to leave the, we're going to leave the main connect point up as they're coming and getting ready. But during this time, here's what we want you to do. I want you to just take in your own time, I want you to partake of communion. Because when you partake of communion, you are saying, Jesus, you have the authority. Jesus, I'm under your authority. You paid the price that I should have paid. And by faith, I receive that. And I want you to consider as you're taking it, the reality that Jesus' victory has solidified his authority. Great the castle that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the dark. Your loving kindness told you the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, 
my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of heaven stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost his grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope sing it again hallelujah hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living
There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who sent me free. Lost his grip on me. You have broken every chain. Salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living. You know, this place of um, Jesus, his authority in, this ma in Matthew 28, you know, Jesus, Jesus earned that position. It, it wasn't just freely given. He earned it. And my experience has been um, on this journey of uh, meeting, discipling, seeing myself being transformed by the power of God is that this piece of authority is a very important piece that sometimes we miss the activity of God with us because we've reduced down our life to our own understanding. And so I remember when Colin and I, we were just married, we had Billy, and uh, we were living in Pennsylvania. It's my, where my family had been for seven generations. And the Lord uh, called us to Michigan. And I remember it was just a big miracle. Anyway, we just had this great sense that God's favor was on our life. And so um, I was being invited to be a part of leadership in the auto industry. And so um, we moved to Michigan. And when we got there, uh, the Lord connected me with the full gospel businessmen. And I'm looking back on my experience there where the Lord put me in a place where I was learning the Holy Spirit. I saw a lot of creative miracles. I was a part of activity that was happening in that region that was just really phenomenal. But there was something else going on, too. I was working for a guy who absolutely hated me. He not only hated me, but I, real, I didn't realize till later he was actually working behind the scenes to so discredit me, to get me fired, because his girlfriend, he had thought he was a supervisor of this facility, and he had her plugged in to have that job, and the Lord kind of changed his plans last minute. So I showed up on the site there actually as the enemy of his plan, and he worked hard. Now, you have to understand, Colleen and I were just married. I mean, we were in our 20s, and, and we moved, and we risked everything, and we left our family, and we moved to just south of Flint, Michigan, and, and now finding ourselves that I didn't know if I was going to have a job every day. I just didn't know. The first, the first indicator was that there was a regional manager who took me to the woodshed and, and said, listen, I'm hearing a lot of bad reports about you. You better straighten up. And then the national director took me out one day and took me to the wood shop and, you know, wood pile and said, listen, if, uh, if I hear one more bad report about you, you're going to get fired. And now 
I'm trying to f- make sense of the blessings of God in my life. <laughs> Anybody been there? I'm trying to make sense of this. And I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, I did all the things you've asked me to do. Why am I in such peril here? And so everything in me was, you know, this guy was a little guy too. I just said, you know what? I'm just going to break him in half. I'm going to quit and I'm going to go back to the farm. I'll feel better about myself. It'll be a nice day. My dad still wanted me back. They didn't want me to leave the farm anyway. I'll just go. But I took it to the Lord and the Lord said something really strange to me. He said, listen, I want you to start praying for this man that I will bless him. And I was upset about that because I really was hoping the God of the Old Testament of wrath and brimstone and fire and the earth would open up and he would just fall to the ground and die and I'd have my day. And so I just began to pray for him. In fact, every time I tell this story, it wells up in me. It chokes me up because of the change of heart that the Lord did in me over that. And so I began to pray for him, and a couple of months, things seemed to quiet down. And all of a sudden, I heard news that he took a new job with another company as an engineer of a facility. In fact, the crazy thing was this company designed and built um, coffins. And so he quit. And his office and his company car and his authority and his position was given to me. And now about a month later, I'm standing in my office, and the window view was out over the parking lot, and I'm just standing there, just contemplating the day, and all of a sudden, I see him pull back into the parking lot, walk into the head office. He was asking for his job back. He had oversold himself in the coffin company, and his career was being buried, I'm sorry. I worked on some of this stuff for a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's as smooth as I could get. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'll never forget standing there and realizing that because I took that with the Lord, he turned everything around and gave it to me. And my career in the auto industry from that point on took off like a rocket, but something else happened too. The authority that I began to walk in spiritually shifted to. I began to see prayers being answered, healings. No matter where I went, I felt that when I walked into the room because of the spiritual authority God gave me, everything shifted. And it was all due to a guy who was doing everything he could to destroy me. I hear and, and, and see people walking this same journey, not realizing that what Jesus is trying to do for you is to give you an upgrade in authority. And time and time again, we take our ball and go home. We quit that toxic work environment. We say to ourselves, I know better. We say to ourselves, God would never allow me to be here. So somehow he must have forgot about me. I must have to care for myself. And we walk away from situation to situation to situation. And you wonder why your prayer life is small. It's the authority 
that Jesus wants you to walk through. Listen, here's the one passage I'm going to leave you with. It's Hebrews 5, 8, 9. This is talking about Jesus. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. If Jesus was going to walk this journey and facing the things that he faced and giving them to the Father and saying to the very church he was serving in, if, Lord, you're turning my life over to them, if that's pleasing you, then, Lord, I'm going to follow that. And all was given to him. And now Jesus says in this Matthew 28 piece, I'm sending you out to be disciples and to disciple. And the reason why many of you are not having very much success in it is because the challenges of authority in your life, you turn and you leave before it's been completed in you. And I want you to remember this. Authority flows through the vessel under authority. If you understand the kingdom of God, you won't look to get out of authority. You'll look to put as many levels of authority over you as possible. Why? That's the kingdom of God. Oh, I've got two people that went with me on this one. Listen, trust me on this. That lesson in Michigan has carried me all my life. I know now that no matter when somebody tries to do me harm, when somebody sticks a gun in my face, when somebody try, tells me I'm going to bring you down, and trust me, I've been through all that. When all those situations happen, this is my M.O. <sighs> I'm watching you. Lord, if you're giving this person authority to take me out, then may you be glorified in it. Lord, if my career is going to be over, if my favor is being removed, if my wealth is being taken from me, if this and that is happening, if that's a part of your plan, then, Father, I'm going to be a worshiper of yours all the way to the cross. And that's the authority of Easter right here. And this is what Jesus wants to give you. Listen, I just, I'm going to just close right here. I want your eyes, every eye to be closed right now. This is going to take 15 seconds. If there was, as I spoke about a, a, a situation of authority that was in your life that you've turned from, and you find yourself in the same situation again and again and again, and you would like to get the upgrade, listen to that word. If you want to get the upgrade of authority for you, just slip up your hand right now. Just there's no eyes open. Just I'm seeing hands all over. You're getting the upgrade. Okay, you can put your hand down right now and, and open your, your eyes. Don't be afraid of this. Jesus is involved in every detail of your life, and I bless you in the name of the Lord. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, and you are good. Good, 
Amen. Amen. How many of you would say yes and amen to that? Give, the, give this group a, a cheer, would you? Hallelujah. You are good. Amen. So good. Well, there you go. Somebody else got the memo. He is risen. No, 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 no. He is risen indeed. That's what you say. He is risen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. He is. He is. What a joy and a delight for my wife and I to be able to be a part of this special Resurrection Day celebration with our dear family and friends here at Bethel. It is an absolute joy and to be with you, to be all, with all the folks online. Uh, don't see us here. It isn't because our hearts aren't here. We're joined at heart, and we're certainly uh, joined in spirit with this fellowship and everything that's being done. And so uh, when I was asked to be a part of this special uh, resurrection celebration and this, this sort of three-part, three-people sermon, uh, I, I just leaped at the opportunity to say yes and amen to that. It's exciting to be a part of a fellowship where every week, everybody is encouraged to connect to God. Make a connection because as it pretty, this is not always working. Really, let me try another one. When you're the third one, you get the dregs, so it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. But, but he said it really well that if you take the fish out of the environment that gives it life, then you have death. If you take the tree out of the environment in which it is intended to be lived. And so connecting with God and the focus on connecting with the Lord is the single most important thing in your whole life. Amen. And connecting your friends uh, to the Lord, that's, that's kind of like second on the list. Connecting everybody everywhere every day. And then once you connect to the Lord, you know, the beauty of this is, is, is not just a one-time shot. Well, praise God, I spoke in tongues 25 years ago, and amen. It's like telling your wife, I, I love you. I told you when we married that I loved you. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. How's that going for you, sir? <laughs> Probably not as well as you'd hoped. Because we, we don't just connect with the Lord. We grow in the grace and the faith of the Lord. We, we come to know Him better with each passing day. And, and Bill said it really well. Pastor Bill just kind of honed in that unless you understand that that's, that's really how to approach every decision, every opportunity, every great day and every awful day, every expected result and every unexpected barrier, we, we respond in the same way, and that is with humility of soul, with a yieldedness before the Lord to say, God, I'm, I'm not anybody else's servant but yours. GM may write the check that pays the bills in the household at that season of your life, but it's God we serve. And so we understand that this authority that the Lord has, He's giving away, and He's giving it to whosoever will. That's the beauty. How do you get it? You get under His authority. 
You simply say yes and amen. Here, practice with me. Yes, Lord. Try it again. One more time. I promise you everything that God legitimately says to you for the rest of your eternal life, the answer is yes, Lord. So try it again. Not, not, not so, Lord. What do you mean, Lord? Not today, Lord. I don't think so, Lord. Depending on how sassy you want to be, the answer is yes, Lord. Because the vessel that's going to be in authority is the one that is under authority. I hope you get that. It's, it's really important because we connect with God that way. We grow into Him, and we don't ever grow out of Him. We don't ever grow to a place where, well, well I'm in charge now, Lord. Hey, hey, come on. Some of you have probably had a moment or two in your life where you said, oh, God, I got this. Have you ever? I, I can handle this one. I've seen this, but I know know what's going to happen. I'm good with this, Lord. I don't need your help here. Okay, I'm good. And in His mercy, in His mercy, and I think laughing all the while, He folds His arms and goes, okay, give it a shot. Go ahead. Show them how spiritual you are, Rex. And Did, did you get that? If, if you're just listening to a, a recording somewhere, it's like, what was that again? You start out with all these big dreams and plans, and then poof, there you are. And the reason you're allowed to be humiliated is so that you might humble yourself under the hand of the Lord and say, Amen. Ultimately, that's always the answer. And so what we understand here is that the authority that Christ has is eternal, but it's also positional. It's not just personal in nature. It is a positional authority. He is given this authority because of his yieldedness to the Father's authority. He is the vessel under authority, and so he is now in authority. And when he has risen from the grave on the other side of the cross, before which he said, I might want to go another way, but I'm going the way you say. At the other side of the cross, on the resurrection day, he says, all the authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Amen. Why? Because he's the yielded one. He's the under authority. And now he's the one in authority. So it's a given thing because he is the one under authority. That's always how it works. You understand that? When a police officer puts on their lights behind you, and you, you I don't care how you grouch and complain, you pull over, right? Some of you can have clearly never had this experience. I pray God will help you with that. And that someday you'll have such a... No. But really, when this happens, I don't pull off to the side and the first question that comes out of my mouth is, you know, prove to me that you're, you have the power to pull me over. I don't quiz the officer. I do whatever the officer says. And if the officer says, get out of the car, I'm going to get out of the car. He says, show me your hands. I'm going to show my hands. 
Come on. Now, it, why? Because it's his position. It's his authority. I don't even know his name. I don't know his IQ. I don't know if his gun is full or empty. But he wears the badge. He carries the credential. He might be a far worse moral person than me. But I stop and I say, sir, yes, sir, because he's in authority. And why is he in authority? Because he's under authority. You've got to get that. His authority is given to him by the state or by the city or by the county in the case of the sheriff. But he has an authority that is given to him. And so uh, this is how it always works. I don't, I don't worry about those things. So to live in and under authority, you have to live a directed life. He, he's not enforcing his own will. Oh, I just thought you were going too fast. I don't like the color of your car, so I just decided to stop you today write you a ticket. In fact, I don't like the color of your hair. It's, it's not his. He enforces the authority that he's under. This is what gives him power. We have to understand that because this is the reality of how it works. And so if you're going to live, if we're going to go with this, and we're going to actually put this into practice, this go piece is incredibly important. So we need to understand that that we have to live an informed life from the Lord. You can't live under God's authority without God's direction. I, unless maybe you're one of these Christians who's trying to just, well, I, you know, how are things between you and the Lord? Well, I'm not sure. I hope they're good. I'm, I'm giving it my best shot every day. And someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. Wouldn't you like to be better prepared? I mean, seriously, how many of you want to be there with that, that kind of a thing on the day of, the, uh, of, of, of judgment? I don't. I want to be able to say, Lord, I have heard your word. I have heard your voice. I have read your word. I have heard the instruction of the Holy Spirit. I am living to the best of my yielded ability a spirit-directed life, I am under your authority. And because we're under his authority, we are in authority. That's why it's really clear. The go piece is, is you know, you don't have to create this. I don't have to be, you know, uh, creative in terms of sermon development here. The go piece is right there in the scripture. Because all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, therefore, Go. Go. So the pathway is laid out, and the pathway that God has put us on is a mobile pathway. It's a going pathway. You know, it, what, here's the will of God for your life. Come to church whenever the doors are open. Lately, that's once a week. Come on, how many of you grew up and that was like every day? You know, and some days it was two or three times. You know, seriously, the church that I first started attending when I, when I gave my life to Christ many, many years ago, man, they had more meetings on Sunday than you could shake a stick at. 
They did. They had meetings in the morning for, for Sunday school, then they had church meeting, and then they had a board meeting, and then they had a, a CA meeting, and then they had a women's meeting, and then they had a, a, a church service, and then they had a prayer meeting. And so it's more than just attending a church. It's more than just coming to, to anything. The go is the gospel. In your going is what he's saying. The pathway is not, gee, uh, you know, what am I going to do for the Lord today? That's not a pathway question. That may sound like a spiritual question. That may sound like a yielded question. That may sound like the question of a person who's under authority. But, but can I help you? A real pathway question is, Lord, what is it that you're doing today that I am supposed to participate in? And what does that look like? Not what do I do for you, what do I do with you and within you? Now that I've been replanted into this environment, now that I've been reconnected to God, now that I'm actually under authority from the Lord, what is it that you're leading me to be involved in today? In your going, make disciples. I like this. Isn't that beautiful? There's the process. In your going, he doesn't say only if you find the right path. He doesn't. He says anywhere you go. One of my favorite scriptures or sets of scriptures is from the book of Colossians. I love this. He says whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever. How many of you have ever heard the teenagers say whatever? And you just want to bless them in the name of Jesus. But here's the reality, whatever God has set out, whatever the options are for you, God has promised to provide leadership from the Holy Spirit, fellowship with God. And if you're willing to yield to his instruction, moments and opportunities to make disciples as you're going. In your going, make disciples of all the nations with whom you interface. You know, kind of like, that's everybody. <laughs> what that's saying is, don't put a barrier up. Don't put a limit on it. Don't say, oh, well, they're not my kind of people. If God has put me in connection with them, look out. Here we come. Amen. God has put you in connection with people to at least begin to pray for them. That's how you start making disciples. You actually love them. You care about them. You begin to pray for them. And then you hear God say, hey, do this. Call them to that. Invite them to lunch. You know, ask them about such and so. It just, it's an amazing thing. Friendships start to develop. Friendships turn into these relationships. And then the love of Christ begins to be felt by this person. And they begin to realize that nobody's ever cared for me like you do. Where does that come from? And you get a chance to say, well, that comes from the Lord. That's the way he loves me. And so it's him loving you through me. Wow, can, can I have a part of that? Yeah, that's why. He just loves you. He wants you to be his disciple. You get that? Friendship grows into this relationship, and that's a courtship, and that courtship then turns into a worship kind of thing, and, and we give our lives over to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the reality of how this works. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's relationships. People under authority who are now living in that authority, who are in their going, connecting with people and connecting them to the Christ who guides them. 
every step of the way. Hallelujah. So make disciples, baptized disciples. I like this. Now, the reason I even bring this up is because it's right there in the scripture, but let me be as clear as I possibly can be. Baptized disciples are, are disciples who understand just what Pastor Bill was talking about. And that is that you don't get to make the call. All the stuff that you thought was your agenda, your important things, your deal, you have to die to those things. Baptism is a picture of death. Baptism is a death and resurrection celebration. We put you in the name of Jesus into the watery grave where, where all the Sandra stuff stops and all the Jesus stuff is now what controls the rest of your life. All the Charles stuff is done today and all that comes up is this obedient, yielded servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when you go, make baptized disciples. Teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. I love this. Teach them to observe. When you put these words together, it takes you into a presentation kind of mode. We've got the pathway. We understand the process. But the presentation is what? It's, it's not finished product disciples. It's not. I'm only going to have a chance to say something to somebody when I'm perfect. Well, you're going to be welcome. Welcome to a world of silence. Really. Welcome to a world of ineffectiveness. You're not going to have anything to say to anybody ever because you're not there. But as a disciple, I have a chance to talk to you about this living relationship that's going on between me and the Lord. And I'm learning this. I'm growing. I'm, I'm a part of an on-the-job training program. Amen. I'm only going to say something when I get it right. How many of you have ever heard the enemy lie to you? You don't have any right to talk to anybody about Jesus. You're not the greatest servant of the Lord anyway. Come on, wave your hand. Confess your faith. Confess your struggle. We all have that. But here's the reality. I don't have to be perfect. He's perfect. I don't have to have it all together. He has it all together. I don't have to be in authority. I'm under authority to the one who has all authority. And so what is an authorized disciple? An authorized disciple is an on-the-job trained work in progress, doesn't get it right all the time, and yet keeps on keeping on. Another really quiet crowd. <laughs> this is supposed to encourage you. It is, because this is the reality of who we are. We are on-the-job training. We are, we are being trained and schooled by the Spirit of the Lord. And how does that work in a discipling relationship? It works something like this. I'll, I'll just quickly close with this little quick story. Back many, many years ago when my wife and I were pastoring in State College, Pennsylvania, uh, we had many of the students from the university who were a part of our, our ministry family. They, were, they just happened. It was, a, it was a God thing. He birthed the Chi Alpha on the campus there, and uh, we had the benefit of all of the ministry that was going on. And at one point in time, there were 78 scholarship athletes from Penn State University who were part of our fellowship. Among them was this brother named Leo Wisniewski. You don't have to remember the name, but if you look it up, you will find the All-American at Penn State and then the All-Pro uh, playing, I think, at the time. They were in Baltimore, the, uh, the Colts. That's the professional team that he played for. Big man, big six foot three, 278 pounds of pure muscle. 
And a devout Christian loved the Lord with all of his heart, was seeking to serve the Lord, was a part of our fellowship. I remember going to a game, well, the Alabama game, just happened to be serving the Lord and having to go to the Alabama-Penn State game, having to sit on the 35-yard line and endure such suffering. Now, we actually, actually won the game, but it was an interesting thing. It was the single worst game I've ever seen Leo play in my entire life. Literally, I, I sat there watching him, and, and he would do things that were so uncharacteristically wrong that I thought, oh, and, and I mean, this is a friend of mine. This is a, this is a disciple. This is a person I love and care for. And so I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, that's terrible. God bless him. He just played the worst game. Thank God we won. Maybe we lost. I can't remember. The results didn't matter to me. But that Sunday morning, I thought, you know, well, we'll see what happens. But there's Leo worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, along with everybody else in the fellowship. And after the service was over, he came to me. He came running up and said, Pastor, were you at the game yesterday? I said, I was. He said, did you see me? I said, I did. He said, what'd you think? I said, that was as awful as I've ever seen you play. He said, yeah, wasn't it great? I said, you got to explain this to me. He said, no, really. I think the Lord did that. I said, okay, tell me how that works. He said, you remember Kenny? I said, Kenny, yeah, like a third string something or other, but one of the guys you've been sharing the faith with and witnessing to and ministering to. He said, yeah, yeah, Kenny, yeah, Kenny. And he filled in his name, and, and I thought, okay, where's this going? He said, after the game, I was sitting in the, I just sitting bummed out in the locker room, and, you know, and, and Kenny came over and slapped me on the side of the head. So way to go, Wisniewski. Worst game I've ever seen you play. And on and on he went. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, that's a bold young man. He's about to die. And, and before I could really get involved in the conversation, Leo said, and in the moment, Pastor, I was just so angry. I grabbed him and boom, slammed him against the lockers. I, I'm thinking, okay, I can picture this. Here's a young man who's about half the weight of this guy, hanging between life and death. And I said, and then what happened? Thinking, well, we're going to have lawsuits and murder trials and things like that. He said, he just started to laugh. Hanging there. He started to laugh at me, go, whoa! So this is the Christian guy. This is the Jesus guy. Is this the altar call? And I thought, I hope you didn't kill him. He said, Pastor, I put him down. And in the moment, it just, it just so shamed me. It so occurred to me how, how out of balance I had become about football and this moment. And I put him down and I said, I'm so sorry, Kenny. I don't know what to do to fix this. But I can tell you there's, there was, that was all Leo, no Jesus in that moment. But the, but the God I serve loves you and cares for you. And I should have played better. I could have played better. I wish I had played better. But I don't want my failure to, to interfere with you and Christ. 
He said, so please, would you forgive me? I said, wow, Leo, way to go. What, what happened? He said, that was the coolest thing, Pastor. Kenny just teared up. And he said, well, okay, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, blah, blah, blah. The next week, Kenny gave his life to Christ. And here was Kenny's testimony. Here was Kenny's testimony. Kenny's testimony was, I had never in my whole life met a real one until I met him in that moment. You hear what I'm saying? It's not his failure-free world. It's his under-authority world. Even in the middle of a moment of weakness and failure, the authority of the Lord comes back to him. And with that authority, he begins to touch somebody, and God saved his soul. Hallelujah. God, help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you will, in fact, help us every step of the way to live in the authority of the Lord because we live under the authority of our God. We believe you for it. As we go into all the world to make disciples among all the nations, we want to do so as spirit-led individuals, vessels who are in authority because we're under authority. And that, that authority that is given to us by the glory of the resurrected King, in whose name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. All right, we're going to do a song we hadn't done before. So if you are not familiar with it, that's all right. The song's called What I See. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I see lightning, I hear thunder. Something stirring six feet under. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. I see signs. I see signs and I see wonders. I see bursts of living color. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Come alive. Wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We are risen with him. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, it is finished. See the grave, nobody in it. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Come alive. Wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We are risen with him. Paradise flung wide open. He is risen. We are risen with him.
you see what I see that the grave is empty do you know what I know anything is possible do you see what I see do you see what I see do you see what I see? I see sunlight, I hear wonders. Do you see what I see? I see light, I hear thunder. Do you see what I see? Something stirring six feet under. You see what I see? Do you see what I see? Sing, come alive. Come alive, wake up sleeper, he is risen, we are risen with him. Let's all stand together. So we close in prayer, let me just give it a little instruction. Uh, we have in the gymnasium two areas where there are going to be a bunch of balloons that are going to be dropped. So you're going to go out this door. You're going to go into the fellowship hall. When you get to the fellowship hall, you're going to take a left. Go into the gymnasium. We're going to do the kids first. And just know that when the balloons pop, there's going to be about 30 seconds of what feels like machine gun fire going on. Okay, so you might want to plug your ears. But inside, they have little papers where they get prizes and stuff. Then we're going to drop them on you. And there are prizes, anything from going to Ripley's, believe it or not, to a little uh, fire pit and stuff in between. So go back and enjoy it because it's a celebration day. Amen. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We look forward to the great resurrection, Lord, knowing that you are the first fruits. And Lord, we who are remain one day, we're going to be caught up to you, be with you forever in the air. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you guys. Let's go back to the gym together. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.